When the guys asked me what my perfect night would be, I told them the truth. Beer and board games. They thought I was kidding. I was not kidding. and gentlemen you know what that sound means it means it's episode 142 of the personal arrogance podcast brought to you by the bold move network i am your host eric walkwish joining me this week as he does every week we can't get him to go away because he's the other host of the show his name is jesse the terrible treble wilson jesse how you doing buddy uh good yeah. doing well uh two days ago i got my daughter Doddle. Yep. I got my daughter. Dude, you Australians have cute names for everything. <laughs> yeah, little Doddle. Yeah. Uh, Russell Nisha really laughing for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that was an awesome experience. That's really great. She's got the laugh thing. She's really, you know, the newborns go through that phase where just, the, everything just confuses the hell out of them. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, I, I don't like that. Yeah. Having, a like, a real newborn is is challenging, especially because... They never even smile. Yeah. Because <laughs> everything's freaky and weird. But yeah. <laughs> once they start smiling, it, it's it's nice to get that kind of uh, reinforcement and then laughing and stuff. But I had her like yeah. a going on a, like a rolling laugh. It was great. <laughs> Enjoy these moments now because when she's 12, <laughs> she's going to hate your living guts. Yeah, probably. Probably the dancing uh, blanket game uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. it's not gonna have the effect that it has now what this isn't funny anymore <laughs> you used to love this <laughs> russell nisha <laughs> oh man yeah i uh i, I just really I, I get so excited about the thought of like when my kids start going to junior high my future children uh mm-hmm. start going to junior high and then i could just embarrass the hell out of them yeah, yeah, I'm already, uh, I'm already well on the way to doing that. Good. Yeah, I also saw that you posted on Facebook. You had a little Halo rant. Yeah, it's just I, I don't think Halo is very good anymore. Yeah, everybody turned into Eric Walquist. They just run in the middle and they try to get one kill for one death. And yeah, that's it. and fail yep. miserably, and mm-hmm. you, you end up like losing games even when you do well because there's some dimwit on your team that's like negative twelve. Dude, 15 years of playing Halo with me should have primed me, primed you for this. Yeah, but there was a heyday when there was a real good ranking system on yeah. Halo for Xbox Live that balanced things out for a little while. Mm. Yeah, that is kind of lame that they got rid of that because it it's it's not fun for anybody. Like, honestly, like, I liked it when the ranking system was on and I could go in and I could play people who were at my level – Right. And I actually won a couple of games because the ranking system was so good. Yeah. And I could not believe it. I was like, I just won. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Although I won I won out of like, you know, what was it, like 10, 8, 8 or 16 people or whatever? Like I won. I beat everyone. It was amazing. I was first to 20 kills. Right. And I'm sure that it's – and it's got to be the same thing for you is that you want the competitive people to play against each other and you want the crappy people to play against each other and everybody's happier. Right. I agree. And then you, like – 
at, back when they did have a real ranking system, they also had a casual one where you could play with, like, if your friends were playing with you on the same Xbox and stuff, mm-hmm. like, you could play there, and there was no ranking there if you wanted to go play right. the casual style. Right. But now it's all basically all that casual style and nothing matters. The points are made up and nothing matters. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Jesse. Maybe you need it's to find okay. a new FPS. I just FPS. need to move on to a different game, I think. Yeah, maybe you need a new FPS. Yeah. Destiny's coming Wars. out soon-ish. Yeah, just do, uh, just do Unreal um, Tournament. Yeah, two, th- 2K4. 2K4, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Jesse, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking uh, free beer from work. Excellent. As I have Great. Uh, I'm drinking the Pyramid Discord Dark IPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, haven't tried this before. I just picked it up. It's a... Uh, Dry hopped India Pale Ale and it's dark, and eh, it's pretty good. Okay, I don't know. I don't know if I'll get it again. I'm not a huge fan of the dark IPAs. I've also tried the Alaskan dark IPA, and it's just too weird for me. It's like a stout. <laughs> it's like a hoppy stout. I'm like, I either want a stout or I want hops. I don't necessarily yeah. need both at the same time. Yeah, beer styles are. I think beer styles are going to be a lot different in five, ten years than they mm-hmm. are now. Right now, everyone's testing the boundaries and making things out of style and mm-hmm. coming up with uh, oxymoronic styles like a dark IPA that right. just doesn't make sense. And right. there's like blonde stouts now. Yeah, and then there's like the ISA, which is the Imperial Session Ale. What? <laughs> Did you just make that up? No, I'm not Imperial. It's uh, sorry. It's India Session Ale. Oh, India okay. Session Ale. Uh, that at least makes more sense. Yeah, the Imperial Session Ale is the biggest <laughs> oxymoron in beer. Yeah, and there's like IPLs, Imperial Pale Lagers. Mm. Now it's just confusing. But I do like the Hoppy Ambers. I like the NWPAs. Right, Northwest Pale Ales. Mm-hmm. Like, Cascadian Dark Ale is, like, the alternate name for black IPAs or dark IPAs. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. We need to... I I do think that we need to settle on some conventions. Yeah. And kind of stick to it so that people know what they're getting when they buy something they haven't had before. Yeah. But good news, Jesse. It looks like that uh, beer tax was defeated. Yeah, that's what I've heard. So, So, finally, good. our podcast does something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome, Washington State beer mm-hmm. brewers. Beer fans. And people who love beer. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of people who love beer, we got a great phone call this week. Uh, all the way from Philly. Uh, and it's about beer. And it's uh, it's it's mostly dressed, addressed to you, Jesse. But I think I'm in here a little bit. Let's go ahead and give it a listen. Hey, Eric and Jesse. It's JR from Philly. Uh so sorry for confusing hipsters and emos last week. Uh, I understand they're very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I told you I was going to be calling back with some more craft beer talk. Uh, you can consider me your East Coast craft beer correspondent. And I wanted to share some of the ideas I have going around uh, with my craft beer wedding. My fiance and I both love craft beer, and we're getting married in September. And Jesse, all, our honeymoon is also going to be in Hawaii around the same time. Maybe we're going to each other. But, <laughs> that would be uh, awesome. <laughs> our wedding is going to be in a local craft brewery, a place called Allentown Brew Works. We're going to have a ceremony uh, in one of the floors that's a bar there, a private bar, and a reception there also. Uh, the brewmaster there 
uh, great guy. He's brewed a he set off a sixth of raspberry lambic for us to use for our uh, toast in place of champagne. Uh, this place is uh, really nice. They'll have four of their flagships and one of their seasonals on tap. Uh, our centerpieces for the tables will be growlers from different craft breweries that my fiance and I have visited, uh, decorated with hops and wheat. And we got a bunch of other swag that these breweries so nicely donated, like places like Lairbacher Brewery, Yards, Iron Hill, Onagang, Victory, Yingling. Um, so anyway, the thing that I think is kind of cool is whoever wins that centerpiece will actually be able to rip the wheat out of there, take it over, and get their growler filled. So that's a pretty sweet uh, favor for them. Uh, what we're actually handing out are homebrew favors. Her dad brews and my uncle brews. So uh, they're going to be Hopley after, Ever After, which is a hoppy lager, and Honeymoon Wheat. I did not come up with those names. I think my fiance found them on Pinterest, but uh, they're still pretty cool. So those are just some of the ideas we're using at our wedding. Uh, Eric, I know you got married in November, and Jesse, you're not far behind. So what beer ideas do you think would be awesome in a wedding? So we'll have to hear you guys' thoughts on it. And get off my back. Stay arrogant. Later, guys. Get off my back, JR. Get off my back. Stay and also, later. And also, JR, please let us know who shot you. Because <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, we were only the topical stuff here. You really made that joke. And I'm sure he's never heard it before. Yeah. Hey, Eric, do you want to make a Mr. Wilson reference to me? <laughs> <Yeah>. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Wilson, Wilson, Wilson. Uh, um, so, yeah, uh, beer wedding. First of all, that sounds awesome. That Everything sounds really about cool. this uh, wedding sounds awesome. I love that it's at a brewery. Didn't say who was officiating, but I think it'd be cool if you just had the head brewer officiate. Because if I've ever met a head brewer, it's going to be a dude wearing uh, coveralls and uh, extra tufts, and he's going to have a beard and a hat, and you got to make sure he's at least four or five deep for the ceremony. Yeah. Um, you know how, like, captains are, can legally marry you mm -hmm. if you're on a boat? Right. Uh, it's the same head brewers can marry people in mm -hmm. a brewery. Yeah, it's legal. Uh-huh. It's part of the Geneva Convention. <laughs> Slid in there. It was a it was a Belgian uh <laughs> the Belgian yeah. uh attendee. <laughs> right. I have one amendment. That's my Belgian. I don't It's pretty know. good. I don't even know. Um I you know, I tried to do a little bit of beer stuff. I wanted to have four beers on tap for my wedding. I you only did ended beer stuff. I liked the beer at your wedding. Yeah, I only ended up with three and I also had a ton of leftover beer. Yeah, I think um, I think four was ambitious. Yeah. Three well, was ambitious. Yeah, but we did the uh, – so what we did is my wife is from Port Townsend. I'm from uh, Bremerton, Silverdale area, which are both in Washington. Um, so we did Port Townsend Brewery, which is from which is where she's from, and we did the uh, the Golden Ale, I think, from there. And then we did the uh, Fat Scotch Ale from uh, Silver City, which is in Silverdale. So it was like our hometown beers. And then uh, since we both live in Seattle, we got a Seattle beer, and we did the uh, – the Elysian men's room, and those were all on tap for our wedding, which I was very happy about, although it was a bit of a chore <laughs> to drive all over the place and pick up all of these kegs. Yeah. And I also learned that if you put three kegs in the back of your station wagon, uh, your wheels almost touch the wheel wells. Those things are pretty hefty. 
Yeah, they're about 150 pounds a pop. Yeah. Uh, but that was cool. And then we also we also did growlers, but we just did growlers, and that's what we served the water in. So every uh, table had a growler full of water on it. Mm-hmm. Are See, you- the problem, though, Eric, was that – and I bartended for a while at your mm-hmm. wedding. Yep. That most people were not after the beer. They were after the wine. I know. And they were after the white wine. This is something that I would caution anybody. We Because, like, Lydia and I are both red wine drinkers. We rarely drink white wine. And, like, everybody we know, like, we go over to their house, they serve red wine. Everybody drinks red wine. So we got, like, a, we got uh, three and a half or two and a half cases of red wine and then a half a case of white wine because we're like, nobody will be drinking white wine. White wine sold out the fastest. Like, there were PAX tickets. They were gone immediately. People had to run out. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how this happened, but that's the great thing about a wedding is people will just help you no matter what. So mm-hmm. somehow, miraculously, more white wine showed up. I think it was uh, your brother-in-law. Yeah, it was just like uh, it was a little, uh, it was a little sketchy there. So I'm just saying, if you're gonna have a wedding, you're inviting old people. You're also inviting ladies who are drinking and they don't want to have their teeth turn purple. Uh, you should probably get uh, get plenty of white wine as well. Yeah, I'm getting a uh, half barrel of Franzia. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. Bag stands, baby. That should be good. Grandma's doing a bag stand. <laughs> God. Um, are you, so I know that you're doing some special beer stuff for your wedding as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing two homebrews, two special homebrews that are aged. So they're Mm -hmm. actually both doing their thing right now. An Imperial, uh, stout that's being aged in a bourbon barrel Mm -hmm. or a small barrel that I infuse with bourbon. So bourbon Imperial stout and then a rose hip uh French saison that is being aged with uh a California wild yeast strain and a couple of sour bacteria strains. So it'll be like a really tart sour apple kind of Ooh. uh saison. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up a keg of probably Silver City, probably the Ziggy Zogger Ziggy Zoggy summer ale. Ziggy Zoggy. God, that's hard to say. Ziggy Zogger summer Lager. Yeah, I tried to get a keg of the uh, the pyramid um, uh, the pyramid uh, snow cap because it was so good last year, and we got married in the winter time. Oh uh, yeah, but you couldn't get one. I couldn't get one. It was uh, it was kind of sketchy. Like it was that hard. Sucks. It was really hard to contact them and actually get a keg. I know that they probably are more concerned with distributing their kegs to bars, but every other yeah. brewery that I contacted was extremely helpful and like that's really bizarre. Yeah, but that's then again, sad. it's not that bizarre. So, Jesse, who's this episode dedicated to? Uh, well, I want to first uh, mini Dedo uh, to JR mm-hmm. for calling in our new East Coast craft beer correspondent. But the real dedication goes to Barry Sanders. Okay. Who is going to be gracing the cover of Madden 14. Really? So watch out for that Madden curse, Barry Sanders. <laughs> this, is how they got, this is how they skirted around it. <laughs> it's so interesting, like the Madden curse. I think it's more just the football curse that if you have a good year, the next year you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Especially if it's a contract year. I mean, once guys get paid, I mean, look at Sean Alexander. It was Sean Alexander basically screwed the Seahawks for a few years after he got his huge contract because he was the MVP of the league. He set a record for rushing for touchdowns in a season by a running back, which was promptly broken by uh, LaDainian Tomlinson, I think, the, the following year. Um, 
So and they and he, you know this he went to the Super Bowl and so this is like our big star player right but everybody kind of knew that Sean Alexander wasn't really uh, the greatest player in the world because he's such a soft runner he's he's like the opposite of Marshawn Lynch basically <laughs> uh, and really it was our offensive line of Walter Jones and uh, and Hutchinson right next to him and. Uh, because they signed Alexander, they couldn't sign Hutchinson. Hutchinson went to the Vikings, and then all of a sudden the offensive line imploded, and there were many years of mediocrity. Now the Seahawks are coming back because finally their offensive line has some experience, and offensive lines are much more important than running backs. I only say this uh, for my own volition, and uh, yeah, Barry Sanders. Way to go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for the record, Megatron broke the uh, Madden curse. You could say that. So, but but still, yeah. Look out, Barry well, Sanders. M- Michael Vick broke his leg after he was on, <laughs> and then he broke his career. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Jair, for calling in. Um, uh, anybody can call in at any time and leave us a voicemail three six zero three six two zero zero two four. We will play it on the podcast. That's our guarantee. That's the personal arrogance guarantee. And uh, you can also always write us an email, personalarrogance Unless at gmail.com. about baseball. Sorry, Sorry right. to interrupt you there, right. but no no baseball. Baseball stuff goes to 70120 Felix. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just wanted to get uh, – I, I had to throw this in here. Crunchy from Australia. My new favorite Australian, Jesse. I'm sorry. Whoa, D, look out. Tell your mom that uh, she's number two now behind Crunchy. Oh, yeah, and my mom. Who's D? Oh, D Chandlish. Oh, I thought and me also. I just thought you were referring to your mom as D because her name's Diane. <laughs> there, yeah. Well, uh, well, if maybe if D sends us pictures of her playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons in a tent with all of her cous- with all of her nieces and nephews, then because that's what Crunchy did. He went on a family vacation and uh, and it was just really heartwarming. I, all of Crunchy's stuff like just makes my heart so warm. Um, he sent us a really great email. And the cool thing is he's doing this he's playing this game called Hero Kids. Um I think that's what it's called. I think so. Is it Hero Kids or is it Hero Yeah, Hero Kids. And he's been playing with his kids and they love it and they've uh you know altered the game a little bit so that the monsters don't die, they just run away, which is great. Um and so he took this to his family uh his his annual family camp out out at the Murray River camping grounds, I guess in Australia, um, and then uh, and then played it with all of the nieces and nephews. And the greatest part of the story is that all of the nieces and nephews, the ones that were most skeptical about playing it, being like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, I don't want to play that game. As soon as they played it, that's all they wanted to do for the rest of the weekend. And that's kind of how I feel about Dungeons & Dragons. You know, there's like this stigma around it. There's this weird social stigma around Dungeons & Dragons. But once you actually understand what it is, it is like one of the greatest ways to pass the time. Yeah, it also it it does take a minute to like shed yourself when you start playing, mm-hmm. and to be able to get into it and have fun. Because right. when you look at it, it's kind of an embarrassing thing. Actually, the other day at work, like I told my boss that I was going to play Dungeons and Dragons over the weekend, and he was right. <laughs> he asked like how I like how it was going to happen. I was like, uh, "Oh, we do it on Skype," and he's like, "Is that so people can like see your hand?" And I had a, what? a good laugh because he thought that, like, he didn't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons, so he thought it was, like, played with cards. So I was explaining <laughs> it to him, and uh, 
basically, uh, uh, I didn't explain it too hard, but I was like, ba- basically no. what we're doing is we're all talking on the phone pretending to be wizards. Right. It's collective storytelling. It is, but it's inherently an embarrassing thing to do. It is, until you actually get in and do it. Yeah, but once you get in and do it, you you have a lot of fun with it. Super fun. And uh, and then Crunchy had a uh, Crunchy had a question for us. He says, I was wondering if you guys had any board game recommendations for this party. A group of six to eight, eight-year-olds. The party is not until the end of May, so I should have uh, time to order something if you guys think it's worth it. He's going to have a birthday party, and he wants to play board games with his with uh, the attendees. Yeah. So what are like some good kid board games? I don't have a good answer for that because I don't – I haven't gotten no. to that stage with my yeah. daughter, Russell Nisha, yet. I think some really good – very when I think of kids' board games, I think of games you can explain the people – explain the kids in a pretty quick order. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I think of those games, I'm thinking of Blockus. Yeah, pretty, I was thinking like Apples to Apples. Apples to Apples is good, but Apples to Apples goes over kids' heads. I've run into they that have, problem. There's some topic stuff a on there. Version of it. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't know. And then I was thinking Guillotine, and I know that it's a little morbid because there's a Guillotine, but it's all cartoon <laughs> characters, and it's really easy to learn. Yeah, um, and it's about the French Revolution. It's yeah, it's historical. about the French Revolution, and it's like fifteen dollars tops. Yeah. Um, so I would go Guillotine. That's I think a good would answer. Be a, would be a really fun game. And also Zularetto might be fun, but that's a little more in-depth. That's a little more complicated. Uh, what about Axis and Allies? Yeah, Axis and Allies is just a given. <laughs> um, I don't know. I have to th- – yeah, like I said, we're not really in that vein. Yeah, but we I think, haven't made it there yet. But I think Guillotine is a game that could be – oh, also Forbidden Island. Forbidden Island is a good game. It's less than 20 bucks. Uh, and that's a game you can teach to kids, and they'll really like it. I've I've read a lot of stuff on r slash board games about people teaching their kids Forbidden Island, and the kids really enjoying it. Cool. That yeah. that's cool. Have uh, do you think kids could handle Red October or not Red October? Mm. Red November. I don't know. As long as as long as one person knows how to play the game, which is pretty, it's pretty easy to learn, and you can also play through it by yourself. You can play it solitaire if you want. As long as one person knows how to play the game, I think it's no problem. I think that's a Why game that is... describe it a little bit? Basically, you're a bunch of gnomes on a submarine, a gnomish submarine, and everything's going wrong. There are fires going off. There are rooms flooding. There's a nuclear meltdown happening. There's a kraken uh, uh, attacking the ship. There's a kraken attacking. There's, uh, the ship is diving intermittently, and you're losing oxygen, and you're getting pressure, and then all this stuff is happening. So you you play these gnomes who are running around the ship trying to fix things. And it's a cooperative game, so either everybody wins or loses together, um, unless you bail at the last minute, which is which is available to you. Um, and yeah, I think if one person knows the game, I think Red November would actually be really fun. I, that's going to be my recommendation: is Red November for for Crunchy, because Crunchy can teach it to himself, and once he knows it, it's really easy to walk other people through the game. Cool, but I mean, six though, six seven. You said they're eight year olds. They said they're eight-year-olds, and it's fun because oh, there's like okay. nice little, um, there's nice little uh, figurines, and there's cool illustrations and stuff. I think that would be a good one. Yeah, that gets my vote. Yeah, high replayability, and it's also a game that's around twenty to twenty-five dollars. So a, yeah, and since it's cooperative, no one's going to get their feelings hurt. Exactly. Um, yeah, kids can kind of figure out and do whatever they want in there. So yeah, I'm going to go Red November first. Uh, I'm going to go Guillotine second, and I'm going to go Forbidden Island third. And all those games are. Pretty cheap, and they're also really fun. And they also have really high replayability. So, 
Anyway, thank you for writing in, Crunchy. We love you so much, buddy. And uh, and we need to get to the show, Jesse. Let's do a little Tiny Man roll-off. What do you say? All right. I'm on it. All right. We're each going to roll 20-sided dice. See who gets to talk first on the cast this week. And here we go. What'd you get? I rolled a 16. I rolled an 11, Jesse. You finally broke the curse. <laughs> broke the Madden curse. Well, right. it's going to be a, a bit of a beer-heavy episode. Mm-hmm. So um, deal with it. <laughs> There's an article that came off of uh, firstwefeast.com, uh-huh. which is plastered with Mountain Dew ads, which is kind of funny. No, those are just, uh, you know, those are Google Analytics ads. You've just been looking at a lot of Mountain Dew websites, obviously, Jesse. <laughs> That's true. Mount- <laughs> Mountain Dew fan sites. So right. it's um, the Mountain title Dew fanfic. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it's 15 things craft beer fans think. But nobody says. So uh-huh. I thought we could go through these and uh, basically decide if we agree or disagree. Okay. Uh, with the, the uh, statements they're making. I think we could qualify ourselves as craft beer fans. I I think so. I hope so. So your favorite, quote, local beer might be contract brewed three states away. Hmm. Now, this is something that doesn't happen that much in the Northwest, Mm-mm. I think. Mm-mm. But it is true. Like, if you pick up a pyramid, like that right. could be that could be brewed in Oregon. It could be brewed at like any number of their California locations. California. No. Nope. Nope. If you pick up our favorite uh, local craft brew, Rainier. Oh yeah, Rainier's that, no longer around here. <laughs> yeah, that's brewed in California under uh, a Pabst, I think. It's yeah, it's it's brewed by the same people who do Pabst, and they um they actually turn the old Rainier brewery into the Tully's Coffee Roaster. Yep. Um, Rainier has a great history, though, in Seattle. I won't get into it now because it has to do with baseball. But, uh, <laughs> but did you know that the Seattle Rainiers of the Pacific Coast League were actually named after the beer? Is that true? Yeah, because they were owned by Sick. And I can't remember the guy's first name. His last name Six. I think it's, it's either Sick or Six, S-I-C-K. Um, I think it's Six. But uh, he had the stadium down in Soto. It's called Six Stadium. And he built the stadium, he bought the team, and he changed their name from the Seattle Indians to the Seattle Rainiers after the beer. And that's why they have, uh, if you look at the old Seattle Rainiers uniforms, they have the Rainier beer logo. It's basically the exact (laughs) replica of that. Um, Well, is that, what about the Tacoma Rainiers? Yeah, and then the Tacoma Rainiers are named after the Seattle Rainiers of the PCL. So really, it's all named after beer. Ah, I love it. I mean, it's all named after the mountain, but. (laughs) (laughs) It's all. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So that one I, we can uh, we can yeah. agree on that that happens, but, right? You but know, I think it's, it's just about knowing a little bit more about your beer than just the label, you know. Well, you know, my favorite local microbrew, and I'll call it local in quotes, is the uh, uh, is the um, Deschutes uh, Red Chair NWPA, and I'm pretty sure that's brewed in Bend, Oregon. Yeah, that's brewed in Bend. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, beer geeks spend all their time hunting white whales instead of drinking beer in their backyards. Now, this is hmm. kind of what we we're talking about with the tickers in the last mm-hmm, couple mm-hmm. episodes. So, you know, with the emos. Yeah, these are these are the emos trying to what they say hunt white whales instead right. of supporting the beer that's actually brewed 
you know, locally. And this, right. this is your classic play, uh, case of Pliny the Younger or uh-huh. Elder. Yeah. Where people, people, uh, I saw something, an article of people standing in line for three hours to drink Pliny the Elder. Really? Or Younger. Whatever, whatever the rare, rare I think the, one the is. The Younger is the, is the more rare one. Yeah, I haven't had it, but there's no way it's so good that I want to stand in line for three hours. Yeah, dude, that's like two Space Mountain lines. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If it's I could go on Space good. Mountain twice, there are a few things in life that are better than that. There's another uh, There's another instance of this. It always happens at the uh, Cask Beer Festival in Seattle for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Raven out of uh, mm-hmm. like Redmond or whatever. Mm-hmm has built up this like crazy hype for yeah. cask beer fest and yeah. the, there's always a line that like stretches out the door of people just immediately line up and will wait and spend I, you have like a uh like a three-hour session and they're waiting in line for 45 minutes for one taster it's insane yeah that's i've never actually had the the raven beer I've, dude it's not that good i've seen the van but i've never yeah. actually had the beer they have amazing branding yeah so, good for them. I guess so, I'll have uh, it nevermore. Yeah. The next one is craft breweries are starting to use competitive big beer tactics. Uh-huh. So, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Uh, yeah, that's that's the dumbest – that's a really dumb statement. That's like saying indie games are starting to use, you know, AAA game studio taxi- tactics. It's just called marketing, dude. Yeah, marketing and doing business, I guess. Right. I, although, <laughs> one thing they were saying, though, is especially – in certain cities, like if you have a beer that you're trying to get uh, on tap at a bar, mm-hmm. like in certain cities, it's basically just a given that you have to pay, like you have to pay the bar X amount of money to get your handle there. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And they'll just be like, "What can you do for me?" And right. I guess like certain craft uh, breweries are giving into that to edge out their competition. I don't know. Well, what they need to do is now craft breweries just need to do, have more swag. Like, they yeah. need to make those, like, they, Deschutes needs to make a Deschutes clock. Like, I'm mm-hmm. sure that's why you see those neon signs in bars. I'm sure those are just given to you by the yeah, yeah, company. Yeah. It's like, well, we'll give you the sign to put on your wall. But I want to see those old Pepsi clocks, but, you know, like the old plastic clocks, but they'll, uh, but they say, like, you know, um, a lesion or whatever on them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Much I'd cooler. like to see more of that stuff, too. There's a, there's a bar over in Port Angeles that has two, uh, vintage uh, Deschutes like signs. Mm-hmm. They like are they are kind of off the poles and they're like little round signs. They're probably like eighteen inches by eighteen inches, and they have uh-huh. a mirror pond and a black butte one. They're oh. beautiful and awesome and like hand painted. Or like back at the Tracy's Inn Tavern in Bremerton, they have all those mm-hmm. old Rainier uh, carved animal statues, yeah. which are Olympia, awesome. Oh yeah, those yeah. are Olympia. Yeah, there's like there's like a black bear and an elk, and they're all like little statues that are put up on the shelf. They're so cool, man. Yeah, I want so more of that. Number uh, four is the Brewers Association definition of craft beer is arbitrary and inaccurate. Hmm? Basically, the definition is uh, you have to be independently owned and brew less than six million barrels a year. Oh, and wow. that's based. That's basically it. So it doesn't have anything to do with how the beer is actually made. It just has to well, do with the ownership and the volume. Beer is made how beer is made. I mean, I don't I don't know if it, that even matters. Like a micro brew and a nano brew 
are both just based on size of the brewery. You know, right. it's like either, you're either going to Home Depot or you're going to your local hardware store. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really know if that matters. And six million is a, is a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. Is part part of it. And uh, what's it called? Sam Adams is like constantly lobbying to get that number increased. Well, whatever. It's <laughs> who gives a shit. I mean, I don't, I don't put Sam Adams on the same level as Budweiser. The main no, reason being is because Sam Adams like has their staples, and then they come out with now they're coming out with like two seasonals every season, which is great. I basically look at a microbrewery as a brewery that is putting out seasonals, because that's something that those big guys, the Anheuser Buschs and stuff, just don't do. Uh, dude, you obviously haven't heard about the Nutrilada. Oh. Think of it as a beer Bloody Mary. <laughs> Yeah. I love that radio <laughs> commercial. I'm pretty sure you could get that in December if you really wanted to. <laughs> Maybe. I can't imagine they're shutting down the, the Chilada plant. <laughs> uh, so number, uh, what are we on here? Six? I don't know. I don't uh, know. Most beer festivals are merely an excuse to get drunk. I haven't found that to be true. I found that exactly to be true, and I don't care. <laughs> like, okay, I love beer. It's delicious. But uh, let's let's be realistic here, people. Like, there's a reason why we don't have non-alcoholic beer festivals. It's uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I like the I like the buzz. Give me the buzz. Yeah. Well, uh, here's that's um, what I'm. I'm also the, use. That's also the slogan for uh, for Toy Story Four. So they're placing <laughs> the blame on ticket prices, okay. and they're saying like tickets topping seventy, eighty, a hundred dollars for a four-hour session. Hmm. People want to make sure that they're getting their money's worth. Mm-hmm. And I have not spent seventy dollars to go no. to a beer festival. That's a ton of money. I wouldn't pay more than twenty bucks. I would want to leave drunk if I was spending a hundred dollars. I think Strange Brew up in PT is twenty dollars, and that's really the only beer festival I go to. Nah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, if I was spending a hundred dollars, yes, I plan on getting wasted. <laughs> I never get drunk at uh, at beer festivals. No, it's so. all tasters. Yeah, exactly. But I'm just saying, like, beer has alcohol in it. This isn't like a surprise to people, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, especially because brewers want to bring something special to festivals, so a lot of time yeah. it has a higher alcohol content. Well, what are you going to do? So, uh, beer rating sites create a dangerous herd mentality. <laughs> <laughs> who I think, wrote this? Can, I don't. I agree with that one. Who's who wrote this? Uh, What's their name? Chris uh, Schonenberger. That sounds like a beer drinker. It, does, it sounds like a beer. Give me a Schonenberger. Uh huh. And a uh, and Joshua Bernstein. Oh, give and me a Chris Bur- Give me a Bernstein full of Schonenberger. <laughs> I'd be O'Leary of that com- uh, combination. <laughs> uh, so you think beer? Do you think that creates a herd mentality? I think there's a lot of, uh, again, like I say, hype, and mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I I feel like people kind of get on a bandwagon kind of mm-hmm. mentality when they're and they're it's a self fulfilling prophecy because they buy a beer that they've gone online, seen it has a high rating, spend a bunch of money on it, and then think drink it, and then think, oh, this has to be awesome because I just went through all this and spent all mm-hmm. this money. This is an awesome beer. Yep. And just feed back into that feedback loop. 
Well, and but this is the thing about beer is that, uh, and we've recognized we recognized this a long time ago, and then we started doing a podcast about it. Beer is a nerd thing, and mm-hmm. you could say that that is that herd mentality goes along with any nerd thing. Nerd mentality. Nerd mentality. Nerds will go toward a game. Oh, this is the greatest game that's ever been created. Everybody goes out and buys it. Then they just go into the feedback loop. Or, oh, this is the greatest movie that's ever been made. Oh, we need to go into this feedback loop. Or this is the greatest show that's ever been made. They literally put out an hour of television every week, and every minute of it is the greatest thing that's ever been produced ever. <laughs> we all need to keep going through it. Like, it's it, this herd mentality, like, just welcome. It's like, hey, beer. Yes, you are now a nerd thing. You're going to have nerds. This is the way. This is the way it works, and uh, and that's why you're in our nerd cast. Yeah. So nope. the next one is craft brewers are copycats. Yep. I think they're copycats in the same way that like a a chef will have a good meal and then try mm-hmm. to recreate it, but put their own spin on it. Once again, welcome to the nerd world. Like, <laughs> look at. Bo- I was thinking about this today because um, I've been working through this board game idea, and like it borrows from a lot of different games. And then I was just thinking about Borderlands. Borderlands is like the biggest ripoff game ever. <laughs> it kind of is. It's like, oh, we're gonna set this in a uh, in a in a wasteland that's very similar to Fallout Three. Yeah, you're gonna have Fallout little, Three meets Mad Max. You're gonna have a little blue lady in your head. That that's never mm-hmm. happened in a video game named Halo ever. <laughs> um, and <laughs> like there are just so many elements that are just taken from other games, but. You put it all yeah. in this game. This game rules. I love this game. It's so good. I love Borderlands. I love mm-hmm. that whole world. I buy it. I love it. And I realize that it borrows from other people. And you could say the same thing about plenty of movies out there. Right. Um, but if it's all in the execution. It's like yeah. you can you can borrow and you can pay homage. And as long as you do it in a way that, that works, as long as it works, I'm in. Um, yeah. And you want, you want your creative people to doing this because yeah. that's how you improve on things. You, you, you take things that work, you try mm-hmm. and make them better, you try and pair them up with other things that work and make something that ends up being better and better right. and better. Yeah, and it's the, I mean, this is especially poignant in beer because it's like, well, I tried this, but I really like this aspect of it, and I really mm-hmm. like that aspect of that beer. What if I put those two together? And then you get your Imperial Session Ale. <laughs> Imperial Session Ale, I yeah. love it. Yeah. So um, the next one is beer, uh, and actually we were talking about this before, beer style categories, particularly IPA, mean almost nothing in today's craft beer market. Mm, I think that's BS. I think that you can line up a bunch of IPAs next to each other and they'll all have very similar characteristics. I think that what we've done is we've created these labels that are arbitrary. (laughs) But I think those standard labels of lager, uh, IPA, you know, wheat beer, those are still, those are still there. Um, basically any beer that uh, Henry Weinhardt's makes, those are your, <laughs> those are your staples. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they mean almost nothing. And in, in kind of the sense that what I was saying before, like we need, we kind of need to stick more to certain style lines and we need mm-hmm. to more clearly define styles just so the consumer right. knows what they're going to get. This is something, Jesse, that I think is interesting because I feel like we're in a climate now with microbrews that it's like, oh, we need to have a weird sounding beer. We need mm. to have an ISA. We need to have a black IPA. Um, yeah, because that sells because yeah, it sells because it, because of the microbrew mentality. 
Well, people are very excited about microbrews right now, so mm-hmm. they want to try new things, and that it's great. It's a good thing for the industry for people to be seeing new uh, styles and trying them. That's yeah. really good. So, yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> Is that it? No. Moving on here, the New York Times needs to hire a beer critic like five years ago. Okay. So. Yep. More more beer nerd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, take that for what what it's worth. Yeah. And this website actually is kind of crapping out on me here. Good. Well, apparently we need to have ten reasons why this website is being crapped out. <laughs> oh, here here's one that's actually pretty poignant. By and large, brewers are all white, which is true. You know, that you could say that about a lot of things. You could say that about video games. You could say that about just nerds in general. But... You know, the fact of the matter is we just need to make our communities as welcoming as possible so that anybody who comes in is not intimidated and can be brought in and, you know. Are uh, you saying that the com- the nerd community is mostly a white community? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Look at Pax, Unfortunately, dude. I agree with you. It's true. But, I, I mean, I don't think that I, – I, I just think that, that the way that to combat that is just by making sure that we're not snobs. Yeah, make it inclusive. And that's how you increase diversity within your community is just making sure that you're welcoming anybody in with open arms. Yeah, there needs to be more women in the brewing industry as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so this more diversity in cra- general. Craft beer drinkers are lushes. I would vehemently disagree with this if it weren't for the fact that I'm kind of a lush. So. Yeah. What are you going to do? Like we say, there's, it's no secret that there's alcohol in this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Great American Beer Festival is no longer American. It's Western. Okay. Because all the metals are going to the West Coast. Uh, deal with the East Coast. We make better beer over here. Uh, the American craft brew community is too arrogant about its place in the world beer scene. Personal arrogance, baby. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Can't really... Uh, disagree with that well when you make the best beer what are you gonna like we have the best hops we have uh plenty of grain we we are a country (laughs) full of grain and we will make the greatest beer that being said i think we're this is the most super humble when it comes to you know belgians like that's an entire style i don't know man i don't i'm I'm not a huge fan of belgians but oh i i love me some belgians i love some you would flanders style all the low countries make fantastic beer and like we all, all like brewers have great respect for like the German lagers. Yeah. Yeah. The fear of declining beer quality is still clear and present. And this is basically just talking about how we're kind of in a boom cycle right now. Mm-hmm. And in 1990s, craft beer was in a boom cycle and then there was a huge collapse. Yep. That's uh, every industry. Congratulations. <laughs> Welcome to business. And finally, a lot of brewers make way too many different beers. Oh, that's BS. That's BS. You you have to experiment in order to in order to innovate. Like yeah, I agree. Like you don't. Uh, that's that's complete BS. And I'm okay with there being a bunch of different. I'm styles totally. Out there. O- I'm totally okay with there being tons of different styles. And it's like, what you want Budweiser? If you want if, Budweiser, if, then have Budweiser. If your business model can support it, go ahead and make as many styles as you want. Exacto mundo. Even if it can't, it's not my business. <laughs> well, it'll be no one's business for long. So it sounds like you don't uh, like this list very much. I hate it. Wow. Because I'm a beer nerd and it doesn't recognize that, yes, we are all nerds now. Yeah, it's nerdy, but I, it's, I don't know. There, there's some important things there mm. about like the herd mentality and 
the inclusiveness and there, mm-hmm. there's some good points made there. Yep, it's all straight up nerds talk though. <laughs> you can apply all of those to any nerd, uh, any nerd niche. Mm. A lot of uh, directors make way too many different movies. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and directors are all making, uh, they're making these weird uh, genres of films. Directors are all copycats. Exactly. <laughs> Um, well, they have it. That's the beer talk. Yep. All right. Let's move on. Um, now we're going to move on to something that has to do with TV. Do you know what nemesis means? So Amazon has done something that is very innovative. Um, they opened up Amazon Studio not too long ago, and now they've actually released a bunch of TV pilots to the public, and they're not only letting um, people vote by watching, but they're letting people vote uh, and give them feedback on these episodes, and then they're going to decide which episodes actually go to series, which is a really, really cool thing. Um, so they posted 14 original pilots, eight comedies, and six children programs. Um, and so I'm here to talk about it because I was bored this weekend and I watched every single one of them except for the really ch- I didn't watch the children's shows I watched the comedy so I'm going to run through the comedies and I know the Bald Move Network we're very TV centric and I'm excited to throw this stuff at our Bald Move ears. Um, so first of all, let's talk about the wins. Uh, my favorite show of all of these is a show called Dark Minions, and basically the way that I would describe it is that it's like Office Space meets Star Wars. <laughs> so it's basically these two guys and they signed up for the Imperial Army um, and, you know, as, as basically like temp workers, I think. And then they end up uh, doing temp work on this death space station that's basically the Death Star. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and, and they get beamed down to a planet to do like... Uh, terrible work like like just like monotonous work and then they find these this rebel base there and then they get beamed back to the spaceship and then they realize that the rebel base is going to be destroyed so then they have to figure out how to stop it and then the other cool thing about this is that it's all claymation it's all stop motion animation now unfortunately in the pilot episode they didn't have the budget to do the entire thing in stop motion so they did it in storyboards plus stop motion um, but it still landed really well. I, the voice acting's really good. The jokes are really smart. It's done by some people who worked on Big Bang Theory. But it's definitely, I would say it's more edgy and, and a lot funnier than the Big Bang Theory. Um, and, yeah, it's basically set in Star Wars. So I really, really enjoyed this. And it it's very reminiscent of, like, Cartoon Network, like Adult Swim stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So Dark Beans was my absolute favorite. Another one that's along the lines of Adult Swim is Supernatural. Which is basically <laughs> these two, these two, uh, like these two. Uh, I I don't I don't even know how to describe them. They're basically like I would say around like twenty two year old uh, ladies who uh, are is hoochie mama. Is that a term? Yeah, that's a th- that's a thing. They're basically hoochie mamas, but then they also. Uh, <laughs> They also investigate paranormal activity. Nice. So, and it's all done in like a very uh, adult swim type of way. It's an animated show. 
Um, reminded me a lot of Aqua Teen, like the early years of Aqua Teen. Um, and they they encounter a crystal a crystal skull in the in the pilot episode, and then they take it to the mall. And it's a little hard to describe, but this this show had been laughing out loud all the time. Like I was getting belly laughs out of this thing. Um, and it's really it's interesting because this is a this one's kind of been dogged by critics uh, online because they're not sure how long this can go on. I'm like. Aqua Teen Hunger Force went on for like six years, and it's a show about fries, a shake, and a meatball. Yeah, some might say it went too long. That's okay. I, if you get three years out of it, that's fine. I think I think season three of Aqua Teen is the best season. Yeah, um, I agree. Two and three. Yeah. So, Supernatural, I really enjoyed it. It is uh, a full half hour instead of ten minutes, and I think that our palates from Adult Swim have been wedded, by, uh, wedded to ten-minute episodes. Uh-huh. Um, so it does kind of drag on a little bit, but but I still really, really enjoyed it. So Dark Bands and Supernatural, they're both animated, and I really enjoyed them. Um, the next one is Alpha House. Alpha House is uh, a sitcom. It's a single-camera sitcom starring John Goodman about a group of four Republican senators who share a house in Washington, D.C. And I also really, really enjoyed this one. Um just because it covered a lot of political stuff and it also – it was good. It was very Sorkin-esque in my opinion, um, but it also had some very goofy elements to it. And basically like they all have to go to Afghanistan now because they've been forced into it and it's really, really interesting. I really like this show um, and uh, John Goodman's just great, dude. Hmm. Like anything John Goodman's in, I will I will watch. Plus Bill Murray does a cameo. Yeah. Which I think is hilarious because Bill Murray did a cameo in Zombieland, and then Zombieland is the next pilot that I'm going to talk about. What? So, so this one's about uh, this one's based obviously based off the show Zombieland. Um, movie. Yeah, it's a movie, um, and I think they pulled it off pretty well. You know, they're they're basically recreating the characters that were played by uh, Jesse Eisenberg and um, and Woody Harrelson in the movie. But they change them enough, and then the actors really own it enough that you buy it. And, um, you know, any show that's about zombies, that's a comedy, I'll watch it. And I thought they pulled it off. I, I was very skeptical of this one. I thought that it would be hard to do. But um, I think they removed themselves from the show enough that, or from the movie enough that, uh, that I think the show works. And then the final one I really liked was a, a show called Those Who Can't, which is a... <laughs> It's basically workaholics in a high school, mm-hmm. and uh, this one really workaholic for me. Good, good stuff. Thank you. Um, so, it, 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 this was another one that gave me belly laughs. I really liked it. And uh, in the in the ep- in the pilot episode, they basically plot the demise of one of the popular bullies in the school. Because mm-hmm. he's not only picking on other students, but he's also picking on the teachers. Uh huh. So they figure out. <laughs> So they devised this plot to uh, to to buy a bunch of drugs and then stuff them in his locker. <laughs> and it's really quite good. And I think the reason why I love this so much is because I think these guys are all supposed to be about my age. And they're also all – I like I know some teachers. Like I know teachers now, which uh-huh. is kind of weird. Like my friends are – I have friends who are teachers. And I'm like, yeah, if I were a teacher right now, I, there might be certain things in this show that I would do. Right. Uh, but uh, but they pull it, they they push to the extreme just like workaholics and I love that. 
Um, the ones I didn't like, Onion News Empire, Betas, and Browsers. Uh, I just so felt there's, like... There's one about Betas and one about Alphas. Yeah. So and the Alphas one is better. Yeah, Alpha House is about senators, uh, Republican senators, and then uh, Betas is about a group of Silicon Valley um, kids who are do it, trying to get a startup going. and It was just like a bunch of people who were like... Oh, millennials will love this show because it will really speak to them. It's like, no, it's terrible. Like, they're, they're bad writing. is bad writing. I didn't like the acting. And just because it's about Twitter doesn't mean that, like, I'm going to like it. Uh, so, were there uh, fighting fish? There were there was a million fighting fish. That's awesome. I'm watching that. Um, you can't put them in the same bowl. The cool <laughs> thing is that that's, that was the show is they just did, like, a cutaway scene. There's the show going on, and then in a little window down in the lower right-hand <laughs> corner is just two betas fighting to the death. Uh, and then Browsers is about this uh, group of people who basically work at Huffington Post, and they uh, have to browse through links to get um, to get content. And I'm like, dude, just go to Reddit. That's what everybody does anyway. Uh, and then uh, it's also a musical, and the music no, musical numbers are pretty terrible. And then Onion News Empire is is done by Onion, uh, done by the Onion. They had the Onion News Network, and um, this one's a scripted show that's basically at a place like CNN. Except, I don't know, like the Onion works so well in the written word, but I anything that they do that's on screen, I just can't buy. I haven't really watched it. Yeah. Anything they did on screen. Anyway, so if you're gonna check out the Amazon pilots, please. Dark Minions, I loved. Supernatural. How do you access those? They're free. Just go to Amazon. I, they're kind of hard to find, but uh, the the easiest way that I got it was just through my Roku box. Um, you can get them right on your TV that way. But you can just you know look for Amazon pilots and check out Dark Million, Supernatural, Alpha House, Zombieland, and those who can't. Those are my those are my watches, and then my not watches are Onion News, Empire, Betas, and Browsers. Right on. Let's do some trivia, bro. Yeah, I'm itching for it. All right, world domination time. We should do a. Uh... When Dragon's Maze comes out, though, we should do a uh, Magic Card Minute. Oh, you mean uh, on Saturday? <laughs> yep. Oh, God, I'm so excited for the pre-release, but we'll talk about that in, in the Facebook roundup. Oh, God, I'm so excited. Okay, let's roll a D6. We're going to be playing World Domination. Uh, And I rolled a four. The efficient electric motor in the fusion energy what gets you from A to B without much uh, effort. But when you need me? more power, the end? gas engine is ready. And Ugh. Sorry about that. Leave it in. <laughs> yeah, not only does the, my website have pop-up ads, but our <laughs> podcast also has pop-up ads. Uh, Sorry, guys. We got pop-up. Ah, shit. Uh, all right, so we're doing Europe, Jesse. Are you ready for Europe? Yes. We should have phone Dennis Kleinbeck. Mm, yeah, that's it. We need we need a listener in every right? continent that we can phone. Exactly. We're still waiting on you, Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. Africa. And Africa. Um, all right, here we go. Which European soccer player has been nicknamed Sad Spice by the Argentinians? <laughs> uh, would that be... Uh, Oh, David Beckham? Damn it. I wish this was my question. I think that's right. I'm going to go with Rooney just because he's an asshole. Uh, you got it, David Beckham. You're on the board here. All right. What is the name given to the freeze from the Parthenon, which is now housed in the British Museum? Uh, uh, 
uh, I, I don't know. Olympus Rising. I'm just going to say Acropolis. The Elgin Marbles. Really? Yep. Interesting. You wouldn't think it, but that's actually it. Elgin? How's that spelled? E-L-G-I-N. That's that's the name of my new brewery. I'm opening on Capitol Hill and <laughs> yeah. in uh, Soto. Literally, if you spell Elgin, you almost say Elgin. <laughs> E-L-G-I-N. 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 Elgin. Uh, Jesse, this is for you. Which sport made Eric Cantona famous? Uh, that would be cricket. I'm going to go with auto racing. Soccer. God damn it. Jesse, why, how do we not get soccer? I don't know. All right. Uh, There's already a, a soccer question. This one's for me. It's for the tie. Who was the first German to become a world champion World champion Formula One driver? Damn it. Where's phone Dennis Kleinbeck when you need it? I'm going to go with Klaus Teuber. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know any German people. Dennis Kleinbeck. <laughs> Just say Dennis Kleinbeck. Dennis Kleinbeck. Uh, I mean, it's it's Michael Schumacher. Jesse, you won everything this week. Why don't you talk now? Okay. Uh, for my second topic, I want to file something under the WTF file. Yeah. So uh, the headline says it all. Sword wielder assists neighborhood being assaulted at her Utah home. Uh-huh. So in, in Utah, basically what happened was at 7 a.m. on uh, 2165 East Claiborne Avenue, or should it be renamed East Claymore Avenue. Did you make a, that up or was that in the thing? No, uh, that, that was me. I love that. So a uh, 35-year-old woman was leaving her home and a 38-year-old man who used to be like a work acquaintance uh, assaulted her, stole her keys, and tried to get into her house. What? She went, yeah, she went running down the street. So um, she tried to pepper spray him but was unsuccessful. Uh, and then several neighbors came to the woman's aid hearing the screams, including an LDS bishop – Whoa. Who was carrying a sword? What? Kent Hendricks, who I mean, that sounds like a D and D name. Yep. Kent Hendricks, no, forty-seven. Kent, Kent Hendricks sounds like a like a tobacco <laughs> alcohol, tobacco, and firearms name. Kent. I'm I'm Kent Hendricks. I'm here to help. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Uh, except replace firearm with swords. Mm-hmm. Uh, said that yep. his son woke him up, saying there's a woman being attacked outside, and his quote is, "I threw on some swords." <laughs> I threw on some clothes and grabbed my sword. I threw on some swords and grabbed my sword. I threw on some swords and ran outside. I have multiple swords. So Hendricks works as a pharmaceutical uh, statistician, <laughs> and he, he also teaches martial arts. He like pulled a he pulled a lamp uh, next to his bed, and then his wall <laughs> turned around, and it was full of swords. swords. And he was like, shing, 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 <laughs> like just filled up his body with swords, and then threw clothes on over them. Yeah, they never turn around. You know, whenever they pull the thing and the wall turns around, there's never like a dead rat over there. <laughs> You would think that would happen from time to time. Yeah, there's like a whole rat's nest. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, God. It's a spider nest. <laughs> he described his weapon as a 29-inch steel samurai sword, 
which he said he's had since he was 17. Yeah, the thing is, he didn't bring the other two. You know, it was like one of those set of three that was like on top oh. of his television. <laughs> yeah. I'll just bring the big one. That's the Katana, I, the Naganita, and the other one. Right. Like, when uh, When do your I, – I would just love to see him, like, right before he goes out the door. He's like, which one do I grab? Yeah, I'll just grab the big one. The big one, of course. If you don't know, you just get them all. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, crunching some numbers on here, he's had this sword for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And finally got the opportunity uh, to to use it. And Dude. then, okay, so here it gets even a little bit weirder. The man yep. started to run away, but Hendrix chased after him because he wanted to make sure the suspect got caught. During the chase, the man dropped his chapstick, which mm-hmm. Hendrix picked up. Yep. He also took note of the man's license plate, and he thought to himself, Ha, I have your DNA and your license number. You are so done. <laughs> what? So he's also doing like some uh, amateur CSI happening? action. What city did this happen in? Uh, somewhere in Utah. Oh God, these people! Uh, this is like the most irrational thing. It's like the most irrational thing happens, and then the most irrational thing happens in return, and then the most irrational thing happens in return to that. Yeah, it's uh, it's published in the Salt Lake Tribune, so uh-huh. somewhere in the greater Salt Lake area. Yeah. And uh, the police said that the victim did everything right, screaming, hollering for help, ultimately mm-hmm. alerting neighbors who came to our aid. Right. So. Did uh, yeah. so? Who got arrested? Uh, the sword guy. Man the guy ar- got arrested. Okay. The uh, the perpetrator. But Swordman does not get arrested. No, Swordman, the bishop, as I like to call him, is yep. a hero. Kent Hendricks. I love this idea for like a Marvel superhero. <laughs> the bishop, yeah. LDS bishop by day, samurai fighter by night. And also martial arts trainer on the side. Yeah. At, at some point. I just, I would love to be in one of these situations where, like, <laughs> you see a guy attacking someone and then smash cut to a neighbor running out of their house with a samurai sword. Just like. Was it? Oh God! I just imagine it unsheathed, and I can't imagine. Like, if your mom didn't want you to run with scissors when you were a kid, like, <laughs> don't run with an unsheathed sword. That's a terrible idea. Yeah, oh. that's a good point. Oh, there's just so many things I love about this. Like, first of all, uh, obviously the guy wasn't a baseball player or a golfer. <laughs> wasn't on the softball team. Yeah. Wasn't on the LDS softball team. <laughs> uh, second of all. Uh, you know that, like, the the bumper stickers are, like, insured by Smith & Wesson? Yeah. He has one for his, his house. It's, like, insured by Yokohama Samurai Sword yeah. Company. Insured by that guy from Kill Bill, Volume 2. Keep honking. I'm reloading my sword. <laughs> I'm unsheathing my sword. <laughs> That's actually a great bumper sticker. <laughs> Keep That's actually a great bumper my sword. Game hawk. <laughs> Driver carries oh, less man. than $20 worth of katanas. <laughs> oh, man. I And I also, because they, they denote that he's an elder, I just imagine him running out in, like, a Mormon, like, short sleeve, short white sleeve shirt with, like, a tie. <laughs> Yeah, either that or just in his magic underpants. Exactly, just running out. Oh, God, I love it. There's just so many things I love about this. 
well, Modern Heroes, man. Yeah, so that's the WTF file for this week. I love it. closed. Gung, gung. Uh, all right, well. Is that Law and Order? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, do-dee-dee-dee-dee. More like Law and Sorter. Is it sad that the only reason why... <laughs> The only reason why I know the X-Files theme song is because of the uh, Cool Moods CD. Do you remember uh, that? No, that's not sad at all. Do you remember the Cool Moods CD? No, I don't. You don't? There was like an infomercial that was on for like two years. Oh, oh no, I actually did Yeah, the Cool this. Moods CD. And it had the X-Files theme song and it had that song. It was like, I, uh, hi, 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 uh, Return to innocence. Return to innocence. Like you, you want like it was all uh, it was all songs that you were supposed to meditate to if you really liked the Matrix. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) That infomercial was on for like two years. Uh, I didn't know. Obviously, it was a great CD. I wonder if you can get that on iTunes. (laughs) (laughs) Only one way to find out. It's only one way. There's no way to find out. What are you talking? Okay, I'm going to move on. What um, was it called? I'm pretty sure it was Cool Moods. Cool Moods. I think that was it. All right, we'll move on to your next topic. All right, well, my second topic this week is going to have to do with PAX. Jesse, I, I want to talk about a little personal PAX experience that we had last mm-hmm. year, and then I want to talk about, I want to get, you know, this is the, this is the winter of 2011, so crowdsourcing is very popular right now. I want to crowdsource something from our listeners. Um, so first of all, uh, new, the, the PAX panel submissions are now open. And uh, found it, by the way. You did? It's uh, it's pure moods. Pure moods, and you can buy it for ten seventy three off of Amazon. <laughs> Excellent. I'm about to return to innocence right now. <laughs> you used from one cent. <laughs> oh, you can get it in cassette form, dude. My uh, that's my rapper name is used from one cent. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh. So, so PAX panel submissions are open. Now, Jesse, last year we put together a panel. We were very excited about it. It did not go through. No. Uh, we submitted it, and it got shot down. Um, and our panel was called The Joy of Beer and Gaming. And basically what we're going to talk about is we're going to uh, do a brief history of beer and gaming. We were going to do uh, an explanation of different beer types for people, and then we were going to do a beer pairing segment where people could ask us uh, you know, present a board game to us or a video game to us, and we would pair beers with it the way that you would p- pair fine wine with beer. We've actually done that segment as a break here before. Um, and we were very excited about it. We had some cool guests, um, and we submitted it. And unfortunately, I mean, we were in the majority there because 300 of the 400 people who submitted panels last year did not make it in. But there is an extra day this year. So, Jesse, I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about this, see if you have any ideas. And then I also want to – 
let this be an opportunity to our listeners to kind of crowdsource an idea of like if you went to a con, a gaming con, it has to have a gaming tilt to it, and you could have any kind of panel you want, what panel would you want to hear about? Um, so I have a couple of ideas here um, mm-hmm. just right off the bat. First of all, you know, one of the staples of PAX every year is a picture game idea uh, panel. Um, but one of the shortfalls of the picture game idea panel is that it's only video games for the most part that mm. are pitched. So why not do a picture board game idea? Picture board game. That's a, actually a really good idea. Yeah. I, it, like board games are getting super popular. Like they just get more and more popular every year. And I think that there's a real hole there, especially when I when I look at packs every year and there's the packs 10 and they're all video games. Now, I know it'd be very difficult to do a packs 10 for board games um, because you'd have a lot of like half-assed board games and it's a lot harder to make a video game and submit it than it is to make a board game and submit it. Right. Um, but at the same time, like... There are also a lot of really intelligent board game designers out there that are just looking for their shot. Mm-hmm. So I think that pitch your board game idea would actually be a really cool thing. Yeah, I like that a lot. Who would you want to guest for that? I mean, of course, we'd have to have Klaus Teuber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could get him. Mm-hmm. I know his son lives in the United States. Well, there you go. So there's that. Teuber it up, baby. Uh, maybe uh, keeping it local, Dick Garfield. Oh, yeah. Of Magic the Gathering. Yeah, dog. Uh, Steve Jackson. <laughs> Steve J. Yeah. Stevie uh, J. Uh, not not the creator of Munchkin. I mean the, the, the football player. The football player, player for the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> that would be the greatest thing. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Jackson. Steve Jackson. <laughs> Everybody like starts uh, clapping hello? and then they get really confused and then they start clapping really hard. <laughs> Um, yeah. Who else? <laughs> I think you got it covered, bro. Okay, just Klaus Toiber and Steve yeah. Jackson now of the Atlanta Falcons. Well, and and uh, Mark, uh, not Mark Rosewater, but um, Richard Garfield. Mark right. Rosewater would also be great. Yeah. Um. So that's good. And then another one that I was thinking, Jesse, and of course we would need some volunteers for this, but uh, you know Levi's getting ordained. Mm-hmm. I said oh, Pax get Wedding. Married. Pax Wedding. Get married at Pax. Yeah. Like we could you you would just need to find two willing participants. That's such a good idea. Yeah. Two willing participants. And then we plan the wedding. Oh, Jesse, we need to talk about this. I don't know if we talked about this in the podcast before. Our wedding planning wedding planning company. Yeah. We had this idea a long time ago where you have, where we have a reality show where Jesse and I plan your wedding for you. <laughs> and it's always like a theme wedding. Mm. So, like, we'll take care of all the details. We just need two people who are willing to get married at PAX. Uh-huh. And then all of the nerds come and fill the uh, fill the area, and then we figure out somebody really cool to marry them. This and is such a good idea. Yeah. PAX wedding. If, like, you and your uh, significant other were actually, like, wanting to get married and wanted to do something special, but do it on relative to cheap... Exactly. But still be able to talk about it. Yeah. Say, like, this, we did this cool thing that meant a lot to us. You could get married at PAX. Get married at PAX. And there's always, like, a proposal during the Q&A mm-hmm. session. Yeah. 
Oh, let's let's speed up that process. Yeah, and maybe you don't really like your family, so you don't care if they're there or not. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you you're both orphans. Right. If you're both Batman and then you guys get married at PAX, it'd be awesome. We can Skype you into your family. Yeah, we'll Skype it. Well, actually, the internet connection at the convention center is yeah. not so good. That's true. I don't know. We'll we'll live tweet. But I think that PAX wedding would actually be a really cool thing. I think that's awesome. Um, and that's it. Those are all the ideas I have. <laughs> Do you have any ideas, Jesse? I'm not. I well, don't mean to put you on the spot. What if there was one kind of to extrapolate more on the uh, joy of beer and gaming, mm-hmm. and just make it like gaming like an adult. Yeah, and and like talking about like all the adult things that you can do as an adult gamer, right? To uh, enhance your gaming experience, it could be beer, it could be you know cooking, it could be whiskey, it could be figuring out things to do with your kids while you're gaming. <laughs> yeah, uh, gaming the Ron Swanson yeah. way. Oh, I like that. That's oh, that's a catchy title. This is a tangent, but uh huh. This is the uh, festival I want to put on. Uh-huh. In uh eh, doesn't matter where. But I want to I want to do a what I call Swanson Fest. Dude, you got to have it in Indiana. I know uh, pa- that that would be ideal. Pawnee is not actually a real town, I don't think. No, it's but we'll not. We'll just have it in Indianapolis. Yeah, Swanson Fest yeah. Whiskey and Bacon Festival. Oh god. <laughs> How cool would that be? Yeah, and then you got to have Nick Offerman there, but Oh god, that would be awesome. Mhm. Yeah, that's great, dude. Beer and bacon. Well, I was saying whiskey and bacon. Oh, whiskey and bacon. Whiskey and bacon. Whiskey and bacon. Yeah, so maybe we can turn that into a panel. Dude, Swanson Fest. Uh, The Swanson panel. There's not a lot that has to do with games with that, but it is just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I I would like to take another shot at the joy of beer and gaming. I I think we should do it, but I just want to, like... Seriously, guys, uh, PAX panel submissions end on the 21st. You can submit more than one panel if you want. And I would really love to hear from our listeners to say, if you've gotten a good idea for a panel, we'll try to put it together. We'll try to get the guests together, and we'll try to really do this thing. Mm-hmm. So if you have an idea, please give us a call, 360-362-0024. Email us, personalarrogance at gmail.com. And even if you have, like, a hookup, if you're like, dude, my, my friend makes uh, video games, like, you could, like, he would be a great guest, give us a hookup. We would love to put this whole thing together, and uh, and I would love this so much if it was crowdsourced from our listeners. Yeah. So, um, so let's do this, dudes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And if you have any ideas, like, for our beer and board or, or, or the Joy of Beer and Gaming panel, or if you are planning on getting married but you don't have a venue booked for the summer, let us know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we could probably, like, seriously, if we, like, did Pax Wedding, we might even be able to get Gabe and Tycho involved. That's a lot of promising. Yeah. So please don't take any of my promises with any grain of salt. <laughs> uh, but I'm like my my mind is exploding right now. I just want, I I really want to do a panel. I think it'd be super fun. We've been we've been going to PAX for a decade now, right? It'd be nice to to be a part of it in some way, right? In some small way. All right, let's do a Facebook roundup. What do you say? Yeah, let's get to it. Facebook roundup. We record tonight. We post it on Facebook. You give us topics to talk about. Uh, Ollie James says, thoughts on the Amazon exclusive TV series? We did that. Chris Rogers says, Dragon's Maze pre-release this weekend. Oh, God, I'm so excited. 
I'm going to two different pre-release events on Saturday. Jesse's going to a pre-release event on Saturday. Well, Ish. I'm actually not going. Ah, Jesse. Yeah, I'm going to a uh, beer. I'm working at a beer festival in Bellingham instead. No, I actually know people are going to that beer festival. Yeah, April Brews Days up in Bellingham, Washington. Mm-hmm. I'll be there. Yeah. I'll be there with the family. And I got, I got a uh, hotel booked through my work, so I'm going to be getting day. schnockered. Oh, Jesse, you're just you're just buying into the stereotype. Um, uh, Jacob DeFore, more Uh, beer talk. Uh, He said he'd love to hear what Jesse has to say about this. Um, I I have something to say about it as well. USA Today posted 10 best craft brew states in America. USA Today is probably one of the worst publications in America. Well, the thing is that their list is based off of how many craft breweries there are. Simply the number. It's I would actually, I would put Oregon at number one yeah, on my or- list of best craft brewing states. And I would too. I think Oregon is the best craft brewing state in in America, and I think Washington is number two. Um, I would probably put Washington at number two. Maybe, Cal- I mean, there is a lot of good stuff in California, but I yeah. I might even put Colorado above at, yeah, at three. Washington. Mm, yeah, that's, I could see that. I could definitely but, see that. Yeah, yeah I'd probably California go. California is not number one. No, I. So let's 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 redo this. With, let's first of all run down what uh, USA Today said. They said California, Washington two, Colorado three, Oregon four, Michigan five, Pennsylvania six, Wisconsin seven, New York eight, Texas nine, and Illinois ten. Um, and they only rank them by how many craft breweries they have, which is yeah. ridiculous. Like, put some effort into it, guys. I think Oregon's definitely number one. They put out the most high-quality product, and uh, Oregon breweries just blow my mind. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably put Colorado number two. Uh, I'm going to put Washington number three just for the home field advantage over California at number four. I agree with you. That's how exactly how I would put it. Yeah. And then the rest of them, uh, West Coast, baby. I don't know. There's some good stuff out there. We just don't get the opportunity to drink it. Yeah, from what I understand, like um, uh, actually, Texas has a lot of interesting stuff going Texas on. Texas is up and coming, and also like, New York has a lot Il- of interesting Illinois, stuff. Illinois, yeah, New York is definitely getting there. But I mean, freaking uh, North Carolina is about to be just exploding with craft beer. Why? Uh, Sierra Nevada, Oscar Blues, and New Belgian are all opening up uh, breweries, big, big uh, breweries in North mm. Carolina. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, I, I think that we'd have to say Oregon is the best brewing state in the country. Yeah, I agree. And that, that hurts to say. It hurts to say. It's not easy to say that, but it is true. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta say, man. I mean, Rogue, Deschutes, Ninkasi, Bridgeport, like, uh, and then everything in between. Yeah, Cascade Barrel House. Yeah. Oh God. And the the Commons, which I had never heard of, quietly is becoming really great. And actually, my my favorite beer that I've I think I've ever had right now. My number one beer is. From Portland, from a brewery called The Commons. Well, there you go. Oh, yeah. you've uh, uh, There's tons of stuff there. I love it all. Um, yeah. Joe Green says, why all the love for beer and none for wine? An equally awesome and ancient beverage. It is awesome. It is ancient. But I think we've, I think we've differentiated is that 
there's a lot of wine snobs out there, but uh, the wine nerds have not quite broken into the scene yet the way that they have with beer. Yeah, and wine's overrepresented. Yeah. I'm sure you can find plenty of information about wine elsewhere. Uh, Sean McDonald. Also, who am I, Fraser Crane? <laughs> what is this, Seattle? Uh, Sean McDonald says, speak more on the stately sperm whale. The sperm whale is the greatest, uh, is one of the greatest whales, whales in general. Defender of the deep. Defender of uh, of everything. Right. I like to think that the giant squid are just trying to attack the land and the sperm whale are a last defense. Yeah, I like to know that. Well, the thing. Because that is a fact. Well, this is the, this is the thing is that. Back in the day, they always talked about big old sailing ships getting pulled under by giant cephalopods, mm-hmm. right? Only cephalopods that could even fit the bill uh, are the giant squid, correct? Also, yeah. what did they do back in the day? That we know of. They hunted sperm whales. Yeah. Stop hunting sperm whales. The Giant squid are kept at bay, and we can we can take our ferries and our boats and our cruise ships everywhere, and the only thing that goes wrong are fires, and then everybody has to poop on the deck. <laughs> and that's it. That's why they Sperm call it a whales. poop deck. Sperm, Sperm whales, whales don't have anything to do with that. They are protecting our way of life, okay? Mm-hmm. Sperm whales are our last line of defense, and that's Sperm why they rule. Sperm whales and LDS bishops wielding swords. Yeah. If somebody <laughs> well that's on land in the sea at sperm whales. Uh if somebody wrote Moby Dick today that was set in modern times, people were like, dude, people don't hunt sperm whales. It's like of course they don't because of the last line of defense. Mm-hmm. This is all completely concocted by the government and I'm I'm behind it. Let's put more money into the sperm whale defense force. That's all I'm saying. Dennis Kleinback, Champions League. Both German teams win against the Spanish teams in the first leg games of the semifinal. Come on, show some soccer love, Champions League. Cool. Yeah. I will say this, Dennis. I will say this, is that I just ordered FIFA 12 on Amazon for $12 used because I do want to play some soccer video games. But I kind of just bought it because they have the MLS in there and I want to play the Sounders. But I'll, I'll be playing some Champions League stuff. And honestly, I do root for Germany in the World Cup because they have some of the coolest uniforms. Um, more stuff. Uh, right here. Uh, James Patterson um, gave us a rant. I just want to read the whole thing because uh, – and then I'm not going to say anything else about it because I think James Patterson says it all here. Why the hate towards New Jersey? I'm a Pittsburgher by birth. Well, address. This is at a later time. <laughs> good, good job. Uh, but I still wonder why you always poop on the Garden State. Only some of the extreme northeastern sections of the city are post-apocalyptic urban wasteland, while other <laughs> ab- while other areas such as Hoboken have just as many hipsters as Washington. Really? That's a lot of hipsters. Uh, that doesn't make it good. A good portion of the state is rural, hence the Garden State, and the state is close to all sorts of cool stuff like Philly, NYC, the Poconos, Atlantic City, D.C., Baltimore, and the Shore. If you are repulsed by the New Jersey Shore, be aware that the majority of the douche canoes from that show are from New York. P- bonus points for using douche canoe. The only scary thing you see at the New Jersey Shore are the swarms of furry French Canadians frolicking their banana hammock-clad selves in the surf. Sounds like a good time to me. 
That's hilarious. It is not a perfect state, but you take the good with the bad. New Jersey is blessed has blessed the world with Bruce Springsteen, but has also belched the freeze-dried poodle that is Bon Jovi from its loins. Just like Washington has graced us with Bob Barker, always spay and neuter your pets, but Washington also hoisted Kenny G upon the world of music. Get off our backs. James. I I didn't know either of those guys were from Washington. Oh, I knew Kenny G was, but I looked it up. Bob Barker was born in Washington, but he's actually part of the Sioux Nation and was mostly raised in the Dakotas. What? Did you know that? No. Mind blown. Huh. Cool. I mean, we do have plenty of other cool people like Bill Nye, Kurt Cobain, but uh, Bob Barker's also (laughs) great. Um, That's it. Yep. (laughs) Bing Crosby. Uh, we don't hate we don't hate New Jersey. We just uh, like to stereotype it because we watch a lot of SNL based comedy. We also have almost zero exposure to the East Coast. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Boston baby. We know Boston ish. Uh, your mom, uh, Jesse Diane uh-huh. Wilson said, uh, "Did you see Washington State has dropped the beer tax proposal?" I'm very happy that your mother is now communicating to you through our Facebook threads. <laughs> Uh, D. Chandlish, uh, what have cephalopods been doing lately? You know what they've been doing lately, D? They have been dying by the hands of sperm whales, the heroes of the deep. Uh-huh. That um, sounds like an awesome indie game. Absolutely. Sperm, sperm whales, whales, the heroes, heroes of, of the, the deep. deep. Oh, God, that actually sounds really cool. <laughs> uh, Derek Romain says, well, I had one, but the rant threw me off. James, congratulations. Sperm whale simulator. Uh, and then finally, Aaron Martinez uh, sent us a Twitter post. Uh, apparently Gerard Johnson is now a Seahawk. Uh, he's a quarterback. Um, he played for Texas A&M. He's been bouncing around the league uh, and the arena league, uh, for the last couple of years, but he's probably going to be a, a super backup quarterback. I di- what I didn't realize is that we signed Brady Quinn to be our backup since we traded Matt Flynn, mm. which is yeah, weird. A good backup is important. Yeah. But Brady Quinn is not a good backup. Uh Oh, Brady Quinn sucks. And well, it's that's weird. What said about Russell Wilson about it's I don't true. know seven months ago. Yeah, but Brady Quinn has a track record. He's actually played in the NFL. Like he got cut by the Browns. Ooh, by the Browns. Ooh, and it's also weird because he played for Notre Dame and Pete Carroll, you know, coached USC while Brady Quinn was playing for Notre Dame, and uh, USC and Notre Dame are like rivals. Mm. So it's kind of weird. I'm not a huge fan of that, but I am a fan of getting rid of Matt Flynn because we got some defensive players we need to sign, baby. Yeah. All right, that's Facebook for this week. Thank you so much for writing in, Jesse. Let's do some records and call it a cast. But before we do, I want to talk to you about Bald Move. Go to baldmove.com, people. Oh, God, there's so much good stuff up there right now because Game of Thrones and Mad Men are both in full swing. Oh, my God, Mad Men is so good. It's so good. And the great thing that I love about AMC is that even though I don't have cable, I can just rent all of the episodes of Mad Men as soon as they come out on Amazon. And I can just watch them. So I'm caught up on the season, and it's such a freaking great show. I love Mad Men. Mad Men Happy Hour is out. And, of course, Game of Thrones. The Night's Watch is out. And, of course, The Because Show is out. The Because Show is going to Comic-Con, people. So if you're going to Comic-Con, let The Because Show know. And, uh, and of course, uh, you know, personal arrogance is on there too. So please go to baldmove.com and check out all the shit that's happening on the BM. Um, Jesse, what's your first reco? 
So uh, it's a show that I've been watching with Tasha. Uh, it stars Gordon Ramsay. It's called Hotel Hell. Oh, I love it's basically uh, Bar Rescue but with hotels. Yeah, and Bar Rescue is basically Kitchen Nightmares. Exactly. But with bars. So yeah. it's Gordon Ramsay doing his Gordon Ramsay thing <laughs> in hotels, and it has the most hilariously bad intro uh-huh. ever. Great. The song and the, the little the thing where doesn't he's, like, walking around in the hotel that's, like, exploding. Doesn't and there's one... a tiger on a bed. Oh, and yeah, the totally. whole time it's like, hotel, hotel, hell. <laughs> Pretty is it, bad. Is this on Netflix? It's on Hulu Plus. Oh, okay. If you think that something's bad, you should see the clientele. Hotel, <laughs> hotel, hell. Spoiler, the clientele is tigers. <laughs> it's all tigers. But seriously, it's actually not a bad show. And the pilot is like two uh, episodes long. It's, it's almost like a movie. Huh. So I, I enjoy it. I've been watching it. It's like a guilty pleasure. Finally, that Gordon Ramsay movie we've all been pining for. <laughs> All right, my first recommendation this week is going to be Arkham. So in a role, the role he was born to play, Gordon Ramsay is John Benet Ramsay. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Uh, all right, uh, my first recommendation is going to be Arkham City. Uh, you could get this on Amazon right now, and I think this is. I know this is lame, guys, but I've really transitioned to just like beer and board games. And I think I'm just going to wait until games are 20 bucks for me to buy them for video games. That is not a bad strategy. I, I have a friend who, like, he just has a PS2 and he just buys a bunch of, like, PS2 games and really enjoys them. I just it's got. Like, I'm just a generation behind and it cost me a fraction <laughs> of the price. I just got Arkham City. Um, on Amazon.com for $20, and it includes all of the DLC that cool. ever was released with the game. So basically, it's like an $80 to $100 value, and I'm getting it for right. 20 bucks. And it's an amazing game. It is really, really fun to play, and I invest hours and hours into it. Um, and, like, you know, I haven't bought a game since Halo 4, I think, so... <laughs> Uh, the graphics are great to me. <laughs> I don't really care. Uh, and uh, I mean, the graphics are really good. I, just in general, if you're looking for a game to play and you got 20 bucks in your pocket, get Arkham City Game of the Year Edition. It is a great game, and you get all of the goodies for just 20 bucks. Dude, I think I might buy that. It's really good. I'm 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 really enjoying it. And I loved Arkham Asylum, and this is better than Arkham Asylum. Cool. Um, what's your seco? Well, uh, speaking of board games. Uh-huh. Uh, I've recommended it before. I've just gotten back into playing it again. Agricola. Mm-hmm. Board game. Uh, lots of fun. Yeah. I, I played it a game with Tasha. It was heated. It was a head-to-head battle. She barely edged me out. And it's just a great playing experience. Well, there you go. And uh, my seco this week is going to be uh, a new book. It's done by a friend of the family here. His name's Keith Wisniewski, and it's called Too Small to Fail. And uh, he's one of my he's one of uh, one of my friends. He's one of the friends we go over to uh, him and his wife's house for dinner. They're a family friend. But he just released this book, and basically, it's redefining the bathroom reading genre because all it is is this guy Keith Wisniewski's tweets. And uh, <laughs> you could get it on Amazon. It's eight dollars. I would I would advise everybody to go out to oh, go out there and get there. Go out there and get there. <laughs> 
And uh, one of the tweets that uh, one of the tweets that's one of my favorites is uh, if your penis starts to burn, it may not be an STD. There's a good chance someone's just talking about it. That's pretty funny. Keith was new skate people. That's good stuff. So I'm not being sarcastic. That's a funny joke. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And there's a whole book of this shit. Uh, I love Keith Wisniewski. You can also follow him at the real WZA, and uh, I think that's hilarious because I I looked up Keith Wisniewski, and apparently there's also a, 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 a mixed martial arts fighter named Keith Wisniewski. Are you serious? Who's like the exact opposite of this guy. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, but he's my friend. You can go get the book for $8 on Amazon, plop it on top of your toilet, and then all of your guests will laugh while they're pooping in your toilet. While they're plopping they, in your toilet. While they come over for, when they come over for parties and poop in your house. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's it. That's the show, guys. Please keep in touch with us. Uh, please write us an email, personalergots at gmail.com. Please send us your uh, panel ideas um, for packs, and we will literally go to work and try to put these panels together because I think it would be the greatest thing ever is if we crowdsource a panel, we put in the work, we put it together, and then if it actually gets accepted and there is an extra day this year, which means that there are uh, that many more panels for that day, and they've also expanded packs so it's bigger um, – you know, I think our chances probably went up even this year. But if you give us a great idea, we'll put in the work and we'll submit it. Um, yep. So please let us know. And you can always uh, give us a call, leave us a voicemail at 360-362-0024. Jesse, mm-hmm. I hope you have a great week. Thank you. Um, and I hope you drink lots of good beer. I'll try. And I hope you have fun at your beer festival. And I'm I gonna, plan to. And I'm going to be playing a full day of magic and I'm going to be uh, gloating in my head to you. Well, we'll, we will both have fun. There you go. Uh, And to you, the listener, um, you should be gloating in your head to me so that my head is burning. And I want you to remember that wherever you go. And whatever you do. Please stay stay arrogant. arrogant.